7.31, the rise of Bitcoin shows no sign of slowing down, even after passing the $10,000 mark at the end of last month. $10,000 might sound like a big number, in fact, but uh, this cryptocurrency's value has shot up a 1,000% this year alone. And you, you just can't write these things down because it's moving all the time. Even while we've been on air this morning looking at uh, one of the exchanges, we're seeing now um, Bitcoin's price in Korean won approaching the 23 million won mark. Literally every second that I'm speaking, it's moving up. It's just a phenomenal sign of this cryptocurrency's popularity, demand, but it also looks like it could be a classic bubble. Let's bring in Matthew Buck, director and co-founder of Blockchain Capital Limited in London, a contributor to the Financial Times. Thank you very much for speaking with us. Good um, good evening or morning as it is over there. Indeed. As I've, uh, as I've just been made aware. How are you doing? Are you okay? Yeah, well, good, thank you. I mean, in the cryptocurrency world, morning, night, afternoon, it doesn't really make much difference, does it? Can you just no. uh, give us a quick it's overview? Of this technology? 24-hour trading, 365 days a year. And uh, I know you just did a bit of an intro on Bitcoin, but as I'm looking at it now, um, we're getting close to um, $16,800 per Bitcoin. So that's phenomenal considering this started at $0.60 only uh, a few years ago. Exactly. And and the thing is, it was always seen in the beginning as a, an alternative currency, as in an alternative form yeah. of money that's outside of the control of a central bank that we could potentially, if we wanted to, use to buy coffee or houses or cars in the future. Um, yeah. However, this is not about that, is it, when we're talking about more than $16,000 for one Bitcoin. It's become a commodity like gold, but without any Absolutely. real value to yeah. it. Um, well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's correct. Um, I know it costs um, just over a thousand dollars to create uh, a Bitcoin, um, and also um, it is absolutely finitely limited in supply. Uh, there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin in circulation on the Earth, uh, and I believe when you um, do the sums and divide that by how many people are living on the Earth. You basically get one Bitcoin for every 357 people. So it's sort of more scarce than gold if you, uh, if you look at it that way. Um, and it does have a value. It has a value because people clearly have confidence in it. They're buying it and they're, they're, uh, they're putting the money where their mouth is, essentially. But, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I realize that when we talk about value, there are a number of ways of answering that question, but what we're what we're saying there when I when I refer to it as having no value is that it, it's yeah. not a physical commodity that we can that we can track. We've got to get our heads around a whole new way of thinking, don't we? Yeah, no, it's not. But people use it. I mean, if you think about it, um, uh, cash on a on a banking ledger isn't really a, a physical thing. You can buy stuff with it. You know, you can go in a shop and you can pay on a Visa card and the bank will transfer, um, you know, the supermarket some money and you'll take your groceries away with you. Exactly the same with Bitcoin, but it's just a bankless system, a bankless, decentralized, autonomous ledger. 
So um, it, I guess it's whatever people have confidence in using. And once the masses start buying this stuff and exchanging it between themselves as value, then it, it, it almost becomes a de facto currency. Does you, that make sense? Yeah, well, yes, except that the the meteoric rise that we're seeing, in, especially in South Korea right now, seems to be driven by people yeah. talking online. I see the chatter on social media about how it's going to be too late soon to, to get on the Bitcoin wagon. And, and everybody seems to be either thinking of it or rushing to buy cryptocurrency right now so they don't miss out. At some point, isn't the realization going to dawn that they better sell or that, you, you yeah, know, that it's I not quite that, what they thought it was? I mean, th- this is obviously a highly volatile market because... Uh, of the, the the liquidity, you know, it's not like the US dollar in transactions. There's not, you know, actually that many in comparison. Um, uh, I think there'll be a retrace. I, I don't think it'll just continue going up and up and up. Um, I think there'll be, you know, a twenty thirty percent retrace potentially. Uh, but I I see a bright a bright future for Bitcoin. Um, I know I'm a person coming from a, you know, a blockchain. Um, you know, capital funds. So obviously, we we, we do have Bitcoin, etc. Uh, but I, I um, to give you an example, I, I was sat with some fund managers last year, and we were sort of uh, joking about the potential of a ten thousand dollar Bitcoin. And uh, today, we're seeing it uh, close to to seventeen thousand mm. uh, dollars right this second. So uh, you know, I believe that the market's got confidence in it. Uh, it, it has got an intrinsic value in the sense that it creates, you know, it, it uh, costs over $1,000 to make one in computing time and power and energy. So that there is there is a, a value to it. Is it overinflated at the moment? Um, it, you know, it, it's certainly being pumped, but I think that's just uh, reflecting uh, market sentiment, to be honest. So, I mean, I, exactly I could... what happens with stocks and shares. I could buy a Bitcoin right now for, you know, more than 20 million won. I mean, considerably more, actually, as, as, as I said before. It's going up every yeah. every few seconds. But but yeah. if I wanted to instead just spend $1,000 on mining one, how would I go about that as a member of the public? What's the tech side oh, of God. it? God. Um, well, you could spend $1,000, but you you probably not buy the graphics card or the computer capable of mining one um essentially in order if you want to set yourself up as a bitcoin miner um i'm sorry to say for anybody listening out there but those days are sort of uh, long gone um essentially mining a a bitcoin is is very difficult now um as i said before it costs over a thousand dollars just to mine one bitcoin uh, as per our last calculations um, uh, and, and that is if you're lucky enough to be uh, one of the miners which are, are rewarded uh, with the Bitcoin for mining it, because, of course, there's thousands of these Bitcoin miners all across the world, all doing the same thing, all competing for computing power and hoping that they're going to mine uh, the next Bitcoin block. Right. Um, so if, if you were to set up your own Bitcoin mining um, station at home, uh, you'd probably have to have some air conditioning, uh, some super-powered computers, and you'd probably sit there spending six months' worth of a, a hell of a lot of electricity before you actually got rewarded um, a Bitcoin. Um, right. a, a lot of the Bitcoin mining is actually centralized in China, where they have massive um, warehouses full of um, 
full of computers and they get cheap electricity. Well, so uh, if you're thinking about mining Bitcoin at home, I'm, I'm sorry, but I don't think you'll get very far, well, basically. It's, uh, it's a harsh reality, and I probably wouldn't try it myself anyway. But meanwhile, we're just seeing the price rise and rise. Matthew Buck, Blockchain Capital Limited in London, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Cheers. Thank you very much. And a lot of people do have confidence. A lot of serious investors do have confidence that even if there is a drop in price, that Bitcoin is here to stay, along with the various other um, cryptocurrencies. Not to say every single one will be a success, but um, we're also seeing great scepticism and concern on behalf of the authorities. Prime Minister Inagyan saying recently that cryptocurrency has a corrupting impact on young people, can be used for drug deals, can draw them into pyramid schemes, all sorts of darker issues associated with this. Tara Waters is a senior associate of corporate practice at Ashurst Law Firm in London. Thank you very much for speaking with us as well. Hi, how are you? Good morning. Yeah, so regulation on cryptocurrency, is that something that's even really that possible? And if so, how? It's certainly in the realm of possibility, um, but so far the approaches taken across the world and across jurisdictions are completely varied. Um, and, and I think, you know, obviously everything from, from outright banning in China um, to, you know, Japan obviously has a, a very favorable regulatory environment. Um, and I, I think in Europe, for example, we have a lot of regulators taking a wait-and-see approach. Um, I think, in general, regulators are um, very hesitant to take action that they feel might stifle the innovation, because I think they do realize that the technology underlying Bitcoin is really interesting and has the ability to really move industries in in interesting and kind of exciting ways. Um, So I I think we're we're still in the early stages in terms of what regulators are looking to do. What do you make of the Korean government's response, um, not acknowledging this as a currency or as a financial product, as the United States does, um, when it views it as a type of commodity or the Japanese government practically just admitting it as a type of currency by comparison? But on the Korean side, we're, we're looking more at protecting consumers and, and trying to regulate transactions. Is it too defensive on, on Seoul's behalf? I, I don't think so. I think the you know I think any government would be right to have a healthy amount of concern for consumer protection, um, and I, I think we're seeing every day in the headlines reasons, good reasons for that concern. Um, I, I think the approach of deciding not to make any type of formal statement about whether they they view Bitcoin as virtual currency or as a financial product. Um, is, is being adopted in, in a lot of jurisdictions, as I mentioned in, in Europe. A lot of a lot of regulators and governments are, are um, sort of in a position where it's a little bit too early to tell, and they don't want to necessarily uh, plant a flag in the sand on one side or the other. Um, and, and I think focusing very much on the protection of consumers, on issues relating to money laundering and tax evasion, um, are, are very reasonable approaches to take as a government. As I was reflecting with our previous guest, this really is at the moment being driven by speculation, though, isn't it? I mean, people might be using the word currency for for Bitcoin, but um, the value that it's reached at this point, it it does seem to be a bubble that's inflating. 
and it keeps on inflating, and maybe it will inflate for some time to come. But at some point, everybody's going to start selling, aren't they? And and how can governments protect people from that? Yeah, I mean, the at present, the the wild swing in price is a real problem, and and I think that issue is mostly tied to liquidity um, because there is actually. Um, in comparison to currencies, in comparison to gold, um, a, a much lower level of liquidity with Bitcoin. And so supply and demand swings are much um, more varied than are with normal, what we consider regular currency um, or even commodities. And so I think the, the speculation and the excitement, um, especially with the rise of new financial innovations like inter- in, um, initial coin offerings, um, are, are making people really excited and, and everyone wants to jump on the bandwagon and that's really driving the price. Um, and, and every single day it reaches a new height and, and has wild swings during the course of the day. Um, and that makes it very difficult to think of it at present as a reliable form of currency because what you pay today is worth something different than tomorrow, vastly different. Um, yeah. But... Uh, there's certainly the possibility of it all settling down. Um, unfortunately, it shows no signs of that happening anytime soon. In terms of the um, opportunities for c- corporate practice or investment practice that, that that might challenge morality, wh- where does the line come between morality and, and the law? I mean, right now we've got a situation where you can buy Bitcoin in dollars, potentially, and sell in Korean won and make a tidy profit in the process. Is there anything particularly wrong with that, for example? I mean, inherently, no, I I don't think so. Um, But, you know, I think, as you're saying in the lead-in, there is absolutely cause for concern that um, people are using the system um, to commit fraud, to, to launder money, and... I think that governments and regulators should be looking to protect investors and protect consumers. Do you do you have a message for people who are looking at this with a with a puzzlement? Um, who who feel like the only reason they should buy Bitcoin or get involved in cryptocurrency as a practice is because they don't want to miss out. Um, what would you say to someone in that position if they came to you for advice? I, I, I would urge a lot of caution. Um, I think, you know, the, there's just no knowing. We are in the absolute infancy of um, blockchain technology, which is the underlying technology of Bitcoin. And um, I think there's a lot of different factors that a lot of people in the industry don't fully understand um, that are reflected in, in the wild swings in price. And so, you know, I, I genuinely think that the everyday person, um, you know, needs to exercise extreme caution in terms of whether they actually want to jump into the jump into the pool and try to acquire some Bitcoin. Obviously, the price is extremely high, so um, the everyday person may not even have, have enough money to, to own a whole Bitcoin, right. um, much less even a, a portion of a Bitcoin. Yeah, and, and, and I think a lot of people are putting in you know, $1,000 worth here and there. Even if we see a quadrupling of Bitcoin's value, they're not going to be able to retire on that. Um, and, well, 
as we suggested before, we don't know where this bubble is heading or if it is a bubble. Final question for you. With serious banks here in Korea taking the blockchain encryption technology seriously, how could that transform the corporate and financial industries? I mean, I, I think that's the real area of innovation that is exciting people, exciting clients that we talk to. Um, and, and the underlying technology is, is genuinely revolutionary, uh, the distributed ledger technology. And so we are absolutely seeing banks and other financial institutions um, coming together, forming consortia, forming partnerships in, in the form of R3. Um, we saw today Digital Asset, who has a, a dig- distributed ledger technology platform aimed at financial um, services businesses, um, striking a deal with the Australian Stock Exchange. And that, that the concept of removing inefficiencies and intermediaries to enable people to transact that much quicker, that much closer, um, I think is really exciting. And I think it's an area that we're going to see a lot of change and innovation coming in the, in the upcoming years. Well, thank you so much, Tara Waters. Pleasure to have you on the line with us. Thank you so much. Tara Waters from Ashurst Law Firm in London. And maybe you're listening and you're thinking you're well into this already and you've got something to add. Powder Sharp 1013 for 51 per message. Maybe you're listening with curiosity or even fear of missing out. We'd love to hear from you as well. You can also get in touch anytime for free. Twitter at EFN This Morning.